Today's episode of Uncommon Deeds is brought to you by Barry Tile and Morrison Clark, Central Vermont stop for all types of flooring for your home or business on the South Barry Road in Barry, Vermont, 802-476-0912, celebrating 50 years in business. Bushy's Generator Sales and Service, Vermont's number one dealer for Briggs & Stratton Generators, two locations in Springfield and Brookfield, 802-591-1903 or bushysgenerator.com. We keep your power on. I'm Justin St. Louis. And I'm Tom Corbett. This is Uncommon Deeds. I got the roll. Welcome, everybody. We are back. Episode number 61 in a row. It's brutal to think about it. <laughs> it's crazy to think about. Yeah. Of course, now, and it's funny, because everyone's like, oh, who are you going to talk to? And we mentioned, like, we have a giant list that really yeah. hasn't, over the course of 61 episodes, the list has probably gotten longer than where yep. we started. Definitely. But we're also getting to a lot of the list that is much harder for us to track down the people yeah. yes. and or their ability to get on a Zoom call with us might be slightly less than some others. Uh, and racing season was working against us right now, too, because everybody's getting cars ready or whatever. And so it's it's tricky to find people who have free time, um, including Jamie Bigor, our guest this week, whose whole crew was out in the garage while he was in his kitchen recording this week's episode with us. You're welcome, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got but you out of that one. Hopefully, you know, as we always say, and we almost got close to getting ahead a few weeks ago. God. We had two drop out in the same week, in a week we were going to record, I think, four times. Four, yeah. Uh, but I know you said you talked to a bunch this past week that want to do it, and it's all about trying to make the schedules work. And we're not always the most convenient because you and I have to record at nighttime. Yeah, that's definitely, that is part of it, you know. Um, uh, yeah. We also have a plan as racing season approaches of guests that we would like to have on at certain times to coincide with track X opening and track Y opening and all that mm -hmm. stuff. So that, that also complicates our. And all while also trying to start doing some video stuff and, you know, we'd like to get out to a few tracks every now and again here and do some video stuff. So. I'm hoping our eyes aren't bigger than our appetite <laughs> when well, it comes are. to getting, getting yeah, stuff no. done. But. They are, but I'm glad that we're running out of time rather than things to do. There's always have, things to do. I'd rather have that, yeah. Yeah, we are still motivated and probably overly motivated no, <laughs> biting yeah. off extra things. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully we'll get some video stuff to you here. In the not too distant future, we got some fun ideas. Stuff. You're watching. You're watching 1993 right now. I am watching 1993 right now, <laughs> and Justin can tell because I'm not staring at him in the camera <laughs> at all. Uh, but we have something in place, and we've gotten some permissions that we needed to do some ideas involving some of these older races, and using the footage, and Justin and I getting a chance to. Kind of do what we used to do a little bit. 
we've been kind of teeing and giggling about some of these ideas of like, you know, it's going to be really cool when this comes together mm-hmm. and we do this and that. And, yeah. And this is, well, like I said, very fun. I'm really looking forward to it. This is kind of a stripped down version of our original idea, which involved guests and a lot more elaborate. And I think we yeah. are wisely backing off, of backing that. off a little bit. Yeah. When we build a studio, we'll get there. Massive, massive pile up right now. Oh, oh, Tw- what are you watching? At least Speedstocks tw- or Tigers? Uh, this is street stocks. Yeah. At least 20 cars involved. Oh, awesome. What's the timestamp? I'll look at it too. It's at about 5540. Right on. Okay. And Justin knows, cause I sent him this video before we started, <laughs> uh, started recording the open and close. Uh, but no, so. Hopefully we're going to have have some some fun stuff coming for you and we want to thank everybody that's been buying our t-shirts, our hats. That has been awesome. Um, mm-hmm. it was enough to, you know, keep us going. We're already got some plans in place for maybe the next shirt. We're going to start getting kind of creative with those several ideas. Actually. Several ideas. And, you know, Depending on time of year, maybe a nice 4th of July Uncommon Deeds themed tank top. Maybe. Sure. (laughs) Why not? Bandanas? Possibly. Little little bags? Flip-flops? Beach towels? We can do that. But no, we're... uh, we're very happy and pleased and very thankful for all of you guys that have reached out and bought shirts and hats or the full combo. Mm. Gracias. If you have not ordered your shirt or hat and you want to, all you got to do, reach out to us. Facebook is the easiest way, but we answer to the Twitters or the Instagrams, the email, all our good ways to get a hold of us let us know the size you need we still have medium large extra large we're getting low on two x's and three x's and then hat wise we have the black flex fits with the white lettering and we're getting lower on the snapbacks that are black and gray yeah, we actually had a couple orders of the flex fits this week. I, I think we're going to run out of that before anything else. That's a great problem to have. So, yeah, we're going to have to do a reorder soon on the hats. And um, like Tom said, we've got some cool, cool shirt ideas coming up in the very near future here. T-shirts are twenty five dollars, and that includes shipping. Hats are thirty five, or you could get the combo for fifty dollars. Free decal comes with it. Heck Cal, yeah. if you just want a decal, you don't want to buy a shirt, you don't want to buy a hat, that's fine. You want a decal, slap it on your toolbox, your car, whatever. We can do that. Yeah. Reach out to message. us, and we send that out to you for free. That is a loss Frickin in our awesome. business account. Freaking awesome. But we love seeing it. We love seeing it. And I know we heard from a few people who have already received their shirt and or hat merch in this past week. Love to hear they're enjoying those. Dig it. 
Can't wait to see some of those out and about. Minus Justin and I, who wear them constantly. Are or we my going kids. To Loudon? Hmm? Are we going to Loudon? I don't think I we think had planned on that. I think it's that. like next week, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think uh, we had planned on that. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, uh. Going to be cutting it close. It could happen. You never but listen, know. whether we're there or not, if you're down there and you've got a t-shirt or a hat, take a selfie, send it to us. We'll post that thing. Also, if you are interested in being a part of this crazy, crazy, uncommon media family, whether sponsoring this show, you have some other media ideas you think we can help you with. I'm telling you, we're going to have some future stuff coming up, whether it be the video stuff, off-branch podcasts, not necessarily featuring Justin and I that we're kind of excited about some ideas we've had. All you got to do, reach out to us uncommon media vt at gmail.com and the great part about us starting these relationships with these different companies that want to be a part of this is that we meet great people and we get the opportunity to help you guys out our listeners and that's what we're doing from now until the milk bowl with one of our sponsors lay it on them justin Mm, yeah so ben bushy uh this week messaged and said listen $500 discount to anybody who orders a home standby generator from Bushy's generator sales and service between now and the milk bowl, which is October 1st, I think. Um, That's pretty awesome. All you got to do is mention Uncommon Deeds that you heard his ad on the show and boom, that's half a a grand back in your pocket um, for a brand new home standby generator from from our man, Ben Bushy. Um, and I mean, that's, it's pretty significant, right? 500 bucks. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to beat that. So, I mean, and that's pretty humbling for us too, that, that Ben, and he's not far from the only one uh, who supports the show, but that he has that idea that he's, he's willing to give you a discount on his product because you, you listen to our product. Like, <laughs> what that's that's pretty awesome um so thanks to ben um he's in springfield he's in brookfield he covers all of new england um and new york as well so uh get at him uh number one briggs and stratton dealer in the state yeah also definitely want to thank barry tile morrison clark they've been with us for a while now and they're going to continue to be with us for a while and we are very happy about that. And check out their Facebook page, man. You I'm need some inspiration for what to do in your house. That's the place to go. They have so the good. pros to do it. And they have the pros to tell schmoes like Justin and I what is actually going to look good in our house. That's right. So there's this, the last uh, photo post that they've got is this amazing it looks like granite maybe it's marble uh countertop yeah i don't know but it's 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 freaking gorgeous and it's uh, i don't know i kind of wish that i lived closer to to barry or knew about this when we were remodeling our home um because hot damn it's nice stuff um yeah and they've they've got pictures of 
of their flooring and all the different it, like it's mind boggling the the number of combinations of things that they do and they've got showers and they've got carpet tile hardwood indoor outdoor uh, it's it's pretty cool right it's tile really, like it's it's kind of uh it makes me feel like i wish i had a skill that i could do this <laughs> right you know tile is in the name but it's not their only leg in the game yeah 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 Ooh, i like that i like that yeah. call dave and tell him well, shoot him a message all right uh but no thank you to all our sponsors, everybody that helps us bring this show to you for free once a week. Without them, I know Justin and I would probably still be doing this, but we'd have a hard time, you know, explaining it to our wives. Yeah, yeah. And you wouldn't have, you probably would not have sweet, sweet merchandise right now. It's true. It's it's very true. And Tom wouldn't be able to edit any of this <laughs> you know, i mean yeah. the our, our sponsors quite literally put this show together for us you know, yeah i uh it's it's <laughs> we couldn't do it without them right i had started to have some some little computer issues and my computer was purchased in 2009 previously what? my previous computer was a 2009 macbook wow. And it was great, and it was, you know, chugging along, and I got it revamped about a year before we started the podcast, but it started to slow down and have some little issues, and, you know, one of our sponsors kind of reached out and helped kind of push it to where I could get a new laptop to start doing the editing, but more importantly, kind of the video stuff was going to be an issue because it was to the point... (laughs) With a 2009 computer, you couldn't update it anymore. So you couldn't get the latest versions of the editing software and the stuff that I use and rendering times were not, were not fun. So it's like, there's a little notification saying update available and you click. Okay. And then it, there's a little pop-up that says, nah, actually no. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, uh, listen, we've got, uh, we've got some openings coming up. Um, if you, if you've got a business that you want to advertise, listen, we are a cheap date. Um, it's not a, not saying that we're we're a fun date. Yeah. Right. Like you're going to get a good bang for your buck. I feel, um, we have fun and listen, we're all, we're all listening to the show for a reason because we all love the same things. Uh, we all love racing and, um, you know, race fans support businesses that support racing right we're not taking you to a fancy steak and seafood dinner but we're gonna have a hell of a time at jockey hollow if you want the double quarter pounder at mcdonald's you get it okay well maybe we should talk ourselves up when we're asking for sponsorship (laughs) but you know this is this is what you get from justin and i yeah but no we uh i think our track record shows we try to go out of our way to to deliver for our sponsors. So if you want to come on board, just reach out to us, any of the socials or uncommon media VT at gmail.com. That being said, we have a fun episode for you. We enjoyed a lot of laughs in this one. And in an area where I know Justin, you want to dive a little more deeper in as 
as time progresses, that's with the airborne kind of history. Yeah. Yeah. I love the place and uh, it's been struggling a lot the last few years and that's, that's hard to see. Um, But the race cars keep showing up and the gates keep swinging open and nobody really knows what that's going to look like until they get there. But uh, at least, at least it's still open and it's actually doing okay. As far as I know, um, this guy, Jamie Vigor is one of the top stars of the recent past. Uh, really? What? 26 years. Was it 97? So, yeah. Um, and I learned a couple of things in this that I didn't know about Jamie. Um, he won his first race that he ever drove. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, so he's been through asphalt. He's been through dirt. He's been, well, he's been through two asphalt tracks over there. He's been through, I can't tell you how many promoters started in the four cylinders, moved up to the tigers for a long time. Now he's in the modifieds. Um, and you hear a great story about the worst dirt track he's ever been on in his life. And we're going to save that for you, which I, which I may or may not have had something to do. with. <laughs> You're going to have to find out in no time better than the present. So let's let Justin make today's introduction. We head across the pond today for one of the all-time winningest and most popular or unpopular, depending on who you're talking to, drivers in airborne speedway history, uh, a pile of wins, a couple of championships, and always seems to find himself in the center of attention, uh, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. He is an all-star over there, and uh, we're proud to have him on Uncommon Deeds. Jamie Bigor, uh, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me on tonight, guys. Uh, I have loved watching you race, and I think you know that. Um, we had Bucko Branham on the show a couple of months ago, and this is, I guess, the follow-up to that, of course, but uh, you've done plenty of racing on your own merit with or without Bucko, and the show's not going to be about that, but of course we're going to talk about it. Um, but... Uh, yeah, man. Glad to it have you. It always makes it interesting when you put the two together. So oh, I know it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we usually kick this off the same way every single week, and that is asking you when do you remember motorsports coming into your life? About a real young age. I had an uncle back in the early 80s that raced a similar car to mine back in the day, a modified. Uh, his name was Ronnie Bigor. So I, I got the addiction way back when, and then a, another cousin of mine, uh, Mark Lamberton, uh, raced for several years. So had on both sides of the family, and uh, you know, since a kid, I wanted to do it, and I actually been following the dream now for the last twenty five years. So now I was that's I'm glad you brought up Ron Bigor because I was going to ask you if there was a relationship there or what was going on uh you know i've seen his name as you know i do a lot of research and i've seen his name in a lot of the records um from 70s and 80s at airborne um seems like he was a pretty good racer yeah he had quite a bit of success like i said it was early on i was knee high to a grasshopper back then would go with my grandfather on uh, saturday nights but uh no a lot of good memories uh and that's where it all started did you ever get to help around help out around the shop when you were uh, little? not so much with my uncle, but uh, definitely a lot with my cousin, uh, Mark. So yeah, just several uh, years. I was a, a crew member on his team and uh, ventured off in 1997 on my own. My God. <laughs> and what, yeah. a, what a start it was too. Yes. It was interesting for sure. It yeah. was a good start. Um, so for the uninitiated here, Jamie 
now hold on before we get into this i have always called you bigor i've always i've always pronounced it bigor but is it bigor because half of the people from morris fork say bigor and no, i don't you know say it, you say it correctly okay you got good. It. i just want to make sure because we we found out that we were calling wayne watana by the wrong name for 30 years so we had to get that cleared no nope, all right you all got right. it okay <laughs> so you started off in the four-cylinder street stocks up at uh, Airborne in 97, and you absolutely kicked their ass the first year that you were in the car. Yeah, we uh, we did our homework. We we were there in 96, 95, 96, watching what was winning a lot of the races. And uh, the, one of the automobiles that was doing a lot of winning came up for sale. And why not buy something that wins? And that's what we did. And we had a lot of great success with it, you know, at Airborne and at uh, Malone Speedway. And uh, w- was that a was that a Skittle car? It was. Yep. Oh man, I love uh, it. Chris Lawton shot's car, former yeah. car. Then you had Earls and Mark drove Mark. Car. Yeah, Jerry yep. Winch drove so, one at one point. Yes, he did. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that's where it all started from. What do you remember about the first time you got behind the wheel? It was interesting. It was a, a dream come true, to say the least. And uh, we went out and actually won our first race in 97. So it was, it was a real good way to start off. And uh, Wait, you won your first start? First start, yes. Really? 1997. I guess I wasn't aware of that. May 11th, 1997, to be exact. That must have started you off real early with really endearing yourself to the other guys. <laughs> yeah. It did. It really kickstarted. I'll tell you. Um, but we, it was a it was an excellent car. It was a proven car, and uh, we did our homework. We had some good people that were helping us back in the day, even back in the day, and uh, we had some success with it. Some nights, of course, Tom Curley didn't like it. We had to add a few pounds about halfway through the season, but uh, you know things still went our way. So it was a pretty wild bunch, and I don't I don't mean wild as in you know, you guys were crazy and fist fighting and all that stuff, but you guys were really successful that came out of Morse forks and there were a lot of racers in different divisions, but specifically that four cylinder class, you, Chris Kaye, uh, Jimmy Bushy, and uh, a couple years later, Jamie Rabideau came out. Um, I mean, you guys had those chargers and it seems like you were just unbeatable. Yeah. You know, and at that time I wasn't really going to airborne much. I was over at Thunder it was hard to not see that and the Skittle cars and, you know, whoever was driving them before Lauten shots and the drillettes. Why were you guys that group so good? Uh, they were just a, a good piece. Uh, they handled, they had good power and uh, they had good parts and uh, they, they really went around the corners and uh, there was a blast to drive, but uh you know, same as everything else, you know, just good equipment, good shocks, good tires, and uh, a good maintenance program, and they were they were a blast to drive. And you even started getting out and about. You had two wins that year at Malone, too. Yep. And, yep, then we actually ventured down to uh, Cannon, New Hampshire with it. To a, like a little tri-state deal, and I think we finished, we won the race, but we ended up second in that little tri-state series. Uh, I think Jason LaHue won it and we were second, but uh, we got a win down there in Cannon, New Hampshire, actually. So I want to unpack that a little bit here. Tell us about Malone. We've had a few guys that have mentioned Malone and talked a little bit about it, but 
Um, what were your impressions of the track? I mean, it was, it was around for only two years and yeah. Uh, yeah. it was a nice, it was a great looking facility, but uh, it was not a, a racetrack, so to speak. It was more designed for like the legend cars. Our little cars were fine, the street stocks, but you really couldn't have a good race with like a renegade car or late model car. It was shaped like a pear and you really had to wall them up, get into three and four. I mean, it was really sharp, but I'm, nothing I'd want to continue racing on for, you know, for a career out of it for sure, because it just wasn't a legitimate racetrack. Yeah. And now that tri-state series, um, which was so much fun when we were young and stupid and driving those cars, how much did it mean to you to be not only an airborne guy, but a New York guy and go beat everybody on equal ground in, in New Hampshire, where really nobody had raced before over at Canaan? That was big. It was, it was a lot of fun, you know, met a lot of great guys raced against a lot of great guys throughout the years that, you know, moved up the ranks like I did. And, uh, no, we had a lot of, you know, some good highlights in our career. And of course that was one of them, you know, when you went out of town on the road, it's a, it's a great accomplishment. Now, 98, you win the street stock championship again and not to glaze over it, but you know, it is what it is. What, what was the thinking and the approach to then jumping up into the tigers? It was nice. Actually, I, uh, got a phone call from Ken Squire. said, Jamie, we need to get you up to that next division. I said, Ken, I'd love to go up the next division, but it involves, you know, some more finances. He says, what can I do to help? I said, you know, I don't know. He says, how about I do this for you? How about a letter of recommendation? I'm like, really? Shortly after, about three days later, I had a letter of recommendation in my hand from Ken Squire. And, uh, I took that to some people and, uh, we were able to move up the ladder to the what they call the flying tag division back in 98. So, again, something that, you know, I'll never forget when you get something like that from a person like that. It was quite an honor. So, and uh, it wasn't three, four days after that phone call. I had that letter in my hand, you know, to go and show people that, you know, we're in this for the long haul. And are you, are you willing to help us out? And here we are today, 20, going in our 26th season. Do you still have that letter by any chance? I sure do. Yeah. Yes, I do. My wife is very good about keeping records throughout the years. I have every album since I started, you know, every article, a lot of pictures. So it's pretty nice to go back and look at all that stuff. And I, every once in a while, I get a chance to go back and look and it's a lot of great memories. Do you know if Ken did that for any of the other street stalkers over there? I, I never heard it. I never heard he did. Yeah. No, my guess called me. So we got to get you up to that next division, Jamie. I said I'd like to move up. Ken he says, uh, "How about a letter of recommendation?" I'm like, "That would that would definitely help." And do it. it was a great letter of recommendation. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, I would guess that he was trying to get some more local flavor in that division. It was eighty percent Vermonters at that point. Yep. Yeah. And I can well, attest a good letter of recommendation. I had a couple, and that's probably what got me into college. And it was not my high school grades. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) No, it doesn't Uh, hurt. That's for sure. Now, before we really dive into the tiger stuff, let's talk about that mustache that you had back then. Because that thing was some kind of spectacular. Yeah, I'm going to grow that back, I think. Really? Yep. 
Why okay. not? Right. Well, we can stop the show right there. I think I, heard, I think <laughs> I might have heard. No. I might have heard the eye roll from off camera to your side. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> the stash, eh? Yeah, we had that oh, for God. a few years, eh? That thing was spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so okay, ninety nine. You're in the Tigers, and you've got Sparky Lapan, and you've got. Joey uh, Cooper Becker, McCritchie coming right. over and Joey Becker and Doug Murphy. And you've got Cooper uh, McCritchie. Unbelievable talent. Oh, unbelievable talent is right. What am I doing here? But, so what uh, were you doing there? But, and there were some good local guys too. Yes, there was. The competition was unbelievable. I mean, we had a field of 25, 30 cars, mm-hmm. even back in my street stock days, there was 30 cars, but yeah. when we made the next jump up. It was just as competitive. I'm like, wow. But yeah, the talent was endless. Did you click with any of those guys? Like, did you oh, for work, sure. work for sure. with any of them? them? By the end of the night, I didn't know them. You know, I was, <laughs> I like to know who I'm racing against. I like, you know, just get to know people. And uh, that's what makes us racing a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, I mean, both sides of like, I didn't care if they're from New York, Vermont. I never got involved in that other crap. And we're happy to have, you know, we need all the races we can get. They don't care where they're from, but if we all want to do this sport, we all got to do it together and work together and race together. So making making that transition, did anybody help you out or was it kind of your guys and yourself figuring it out on your own? Uh, you get some information. You just don't get, you know, we didn't get everything we needed. It was a lot of trial and error, but uh, we, uh, you know, we didn't succeed right off the bat. We uh, had our hard times like anybody else. Uh but I think it made us, you know, a better racer down the road. But uh, yeah, we were, we were no standout in the beginning, that's for sure. We had our 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 bad luck, our hard luck. But uh, when we finally did get to a point, you know, for some uh, success, it was very I, rewarding, I guess to say, you know, because we definitely worked hard for it. But it uh, it didn't come easy. Whose car did you start out? Where did you get that first Tiger? Uh, I bought that from Gary Wood. Oh, so it was a decent car. It was a very good car. Yes, it wow. was. Wow, okay. Huh. Yep. I remember you leading a, a race. I don't know if it was – I don't. I honestly don't even remember what year it was, but it was going to be your first win, and the engine blew sky high, and the whole field went with you off the top of three. Yeah, top of turn three. I remember yeah. it well. What yeah. – you know, how, how much of a heartbreaker? Was, was that the final race of the year? It was. Yeah, okay. The and then you won years. opening day the next year, right? Yes. Okay, so yep. – that's a suck point to end the year on. And then you get the six, six months to think about it, but then you come out and like I said, you win the opener. So how does, how does your mindset work at, at that juncture when you've got a blown up wreck race car and, and a whole winner to kick yourself in the butt about it? Yeah, it was uh, a few sleepless nights after that happened, but uh, you know, you just got to regroup and get back at it. But uh it was a heartbreaker for sure, you know, leading, hoping to get your first win. Last race of the year, you'd have, uh, you know, some excitement throughout the winter to get you to springtime. But this uh, race and business is not all glorious. We, you know, it's not all, uh, sometimes we have a lot of things that happen that's out of our control. But again, we go back in the springtime and, you know, get back on top again. So was it humbling to go from like, the king of the hill of street stocks, like, hey, I did this for two years and I won two championships to, you know, bottom of the of the totem pole with the Tigers? Yeah, um, 
No, it was to be expected. I had been around racing, like we talked about earlier, for quite a while. So I knew that I was going to take my lumps and bumps. And, and, and you know, looking at a list of drivers that I was competing against, I knew it wasn't going to be easy because, like I said, the list was incredible. There was some talent, and it was deep. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you did kind of jump into the sharks there. Um, you were competitive, though. And, like I said, you did start winning in 01. Um, and you were steady. It wasn't, you weren't a dominant force by any means. Um, but again, the, the competition was so tough and you had guys like Jerry Winch winning races. Bucko came back from the late models, um, and into the tigers and he started winning. You had Craig Bushy, you had Becker and Murphy and uh, we had a lot of veterans that had been there for quite a spell. So they had quite a few years on me to get those things figured out. And we were way behind. So, but uh, But you were, you were part of a, of a kind of a youth movement though. You had yourself and Scott Paye and Jason Bonnet and just a bunch of new guys, Tabor Gagne, um, that all yep. kind of came in at the same time. I think Scott Dragon, you might've missed him by a year or two, but all yep. part of the same wave, the Fishers. Um, you know, was that, did you feel like it was sort of a changing of the guard or were you just trying to hope to fit in? Yeah, no, I was, I was willing to, you know, bide my time and learn what I had to learn and do what I had to do. And, you know, you work hard enough at it, you're going to succeed. And that's kind of the mindset I had. And uh, if you want something bad enough, you're going to work hard enough at it. You're going to talk to the right people. You're going to find the right people and make it happen. And, you know, eventually that's what we did, but took some time. But again, just when you're racing against 25 guys that can win on any given night, it's to be expected when you have very little experience with jack and bolts and bump steer and roll centers and all stuff that was very Greek to me back in the day. So, but it was challenging. It was, you know, made us work hard at it. And uh, when we finally got there, it was very, you know, rewarding. So, you know, it's funny. I find myself telling my five-year-old quite a bit recently that, you know, you can't win every time and sometimes when you work hard to get something it makes the win better you Mm -hmm. take you know a little more than two seasons what was that first tiger win like for you a big uh a big relief you know we finally did it and uh you know it was great for the sponsors great for the morale for the you know the crew guys they like to get a win every now and then get some you know reward out of it also so it was a it was a big relief off our chest and uh they just come a little easier after you get that first one you mentioned sponsors you have a ton of them you've always it seems like your car more than anybody maybe that i know in racing has very little advertising space left available because it seems like you're getting help from everybody um you know did you have you you guys have your family has a uh, a huge presence in the community up in Morris Forks with, with Big Horse Supply. Um, was that kind of a big reason why you were able to make those connections? Uh, we made several connections because of, of course, for sure. Um, we utilize a lot of people that we do business with or whatever, but uh, we have been very, and I, you know, I can't say it enough, so fortunate to have so many good sponsors. I mean, this sport, as we all know, is not getting any cheaper, especially, you know, in the last couple of years and going into this year. Uh, it is very nice when people call you and they want to advertise in your car, you know. And normally, we're going around begging people when I'm getting people texting me and calling me that want to help us. It's uh, it's amazing. 
and I've uh, been very fortunate to have a lot, a lot of good sponsors. And you, you do keep them happy. <laughs> I mean, it's, we try because we couldn't do it without them. It's yeah. that's the bottom line. Yeah. Um, in Oh five, uh, Mike Parati and Steve Fuller take over the racetrack up at airborne. Um, you, you'd done all of your racing under Tom Curley's regime, um, and Ken Squire, um, to that point. What was that changing of the guard? Like it was, uh, Definitely different because we were so used to Tom Curley and uh, I liked the way that Tom ran things. You weren't going to get beat, uh, beat by someone that was cheating. You weren't, uh, he wasn't going to tolerate any BS in the pits. Uh, so, you know, I just got so used to that. You just get comfortable with somebody that you know you can go to the racetrack and be on uh, equal playing field. So I was a little nervous going into uh you know, the new management, but uh, Mike had been around it for many years. So uh, I think he did a good job, really good job. So at first it was nerve wracking, but at the end it was a good transition. But when you get used to somebody like Tom Curley and you know where you stood with him, it was definitely uh, a, a change and, but it all worked out. What was the biggest adjustment going from, let's just say a very strict and stern Tom Curley to new management? Like I said, it was just nice knowing that you're going to that racetrack and nothing, nobody was going to get through tech. If they were wrong, they were going to get penalized. It wasn't going to get swept under the rug. It was just, you know, we just wanted the same treatment from the new management, make sure they did the same thing because, you know, we all work hard at this and we all want an equal playing field. And we just knew where Tom Curley stood at all times. You knew you weren't going to have any foul play and somebody's going to get away with it. So, that was kind of my biggest thing was, you know, we all work hard at this, make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in the tech building, treating us all fair, you know, and, uh, but again, you know, there's a few bumps in a row, but overall I think they did a real good job. I remember a night, Jamie, in 2002, when one of your good friends, uh, Dean Supernaut was an official for Tom Curley at the time. And he ended up in a bloody mess. Uh, quite literally, there was a big fight and the gates got locked and the state police got called in and uh it was a nightmare i mean it was it was a terrible terrible night and the racetrack got shut down because of it for the rest of the season um was there any trepidation about that with the changeover i mean the 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 sense of authority mike parati runs things very differently a lot more laid back i mean he doesn't put up a lot of crap but um it didn't feel like you're marching in a line, you know? Exactly. Yep. Um, was there any concern with that, with maybe some loosening of the reins? Yeah, definitely. Cause like I said, when you walked into Tom Curley's sandbox, you knew where you stood or knew where you should stand because he'd tell you one way or the other. I've had several meetings with him, good and bad. And, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, he had a business to run, he had a show to run and you knew where you stood. So of course, a lot of us missed that, uh, but yeah, unfortunately there's change and we got to deal with it and, uh, just hope it's good change. And unfortunately you kind of go through a dry spell for a while, you know, 2004, 2005, 2006, no wins, but you come back in 2007, it's now, you know, renamed the sportsman division and 
you get it going. You had three wins that year. Yeah, that was a that was a good year for sure. Yeah, that's when we started chucking them in every now and then. So uh, 2007. Well, I know Justin's got all those stats. That's great to hear that. Um, <laughs> it wasn't me. I'll say that. It wasn't you. Yeah, there you go. Yep. But no, those wins are those wins are nice. Uh, they're just hard to come by, but. Uh, when you get them, I, th- I tell people celebrate them because they're hard. They're hard to come by. Did well, it feel any different in 2007? Did something click for you, or was it just, you know, the bounces went your way? Yeah, I just think you know the time well spent and the connections we made and the work that was put into it. Uh, things just started jiving and uh, getting comfortable on the asphalt and yeah. Probably a number of things, of course. That was a while ago, but yeah, I would say that's what that's what happened there. It was in that era that it was, you know, pretty much a coin flip. Either Robin Wood or Buck O'Brien was going to win the feature in that sportsman division. Um, but you were the guy who could challenge them and beat them. Um, Jason Bonnet did for a little while. Um, but it was pretty much just a three-car race for a long time. And that's not to knock anybody else, but it's it's the truth of the matter. And uh, things got a little bit heated and it made that, I guess, sportsman division at the time really damn exciting. And there were, you know, the three fifty eights on asphalt, the, the dirt modifieds on asphalt were the big card. Um, but the, the, the tigers or whatever it was limited late models sportsman, you guys kind of became your own show and brought your own fans to the, to airborne and, and you were a, a sort of different brand of promotion on the same night. Uh, that was something that I don't recall ever seeing at any other racetrack. No, that was some damn good racing. We'd come to the front and then all three of us wanted to get to the front and we used the gas pedal, the brake, the bumper and whatever it took to get to the front. And we had some races and, some nights weren't so good for a few of us, but uh, we all wanted to win. We're all competitive, and it made the fans, they loved it. I mean, the phone would ring at the store. They'd stop by. There's never been so many people in those grandstands at Airborne when uh, back in that heyday. We were, I think we had a lot to do with putting people in the grandstands, put it that way. With, like you said, there's three of you, and you're just out there getting after it. Uh Obviously, some nights probably more than others, but are you really having fun and enjoying kind of the rivalries and knowing, like, oh, this is going to be freaking entertaining? Oh, for sure. Damn right. Yep. No, I wanted to win just as bad as they did, and, of course, vice versa. And uh, we put them cars in places sometimes we probably shouldn't, but uh, that's what made it exciting. It's a perfect segue. Those those are the days. Perfect segue into the question I've got for you. We asked Bucko about it. The night, the incident, uh, the night that Bucko was uh, given that award. (laughs) (laughs) We asked your question. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Uh, He changes his answer on that question quite often. (laughs) Well, it's the night that Bucko got his award from Speedway Illustrated. Oh, that night! But yes. God damn it, you were the one. That, you were the one that beat him. Yeah, you know, exactly. You, and and you got all the booze and all the cheers all at once. Uh, <laughs> take us through that night because I want to hear your version of it. 
Yeah, it was an exciting night. Uh, I think we're running now on the restart. I think we're running third. And we went uh, a couple laps, and the Ducat was leading. Buckle was second, I believe. Yeah, and I was third. Uh, Buckle was underneath Ducat. He slid up in four. I filled the hole. Buckle didn't like it. He uh, turned left, apparently. He didn't see me, I guess. So he went out the front nose of my car and into the infield. That was like a bee's nest that night. I don't know why he was so grumpy, but uh, <laughs> he should have went straight instead of left. <laughs> but, yeah, that uh, that was just some more excitement back in the day, and that was that was a lot of fun. I mean, nobody got hurt, thank God. And uh, But the fans went wild. The, wild. I could, I could hear him inside my race car, my helmet on, and I could hear him, like, playing his day. But, yeah, that was that made for an exciting night. But, yeah, that was my version. I filled the hole. I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't have filled it. Uh, he said you filled the hole, too, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't have filled it. No. no. <laughs> not for a win, no. No, not for a win. Uh, yeah. Yep, the hole was there. I took it, and uh, we were victorious, and we had a, a great night. Were you friends, or were you rivals, or were you both at uh, that we're time? Both. We're at that both. time, we're both. We're racers. It was a rival, but he would help me. I would help him. We'd talk. But we were both there for the same reason. We both wanted to win. So, yeah. He did say that the next week you, he was broken. You welded on the car and said, you know, I went over and got him. I went yeah. over and got him. I said, get your ass over here and weld this front bumper for me. He did. Oh, oh, he welded he has a on different your car. Version that he came That's over. Right. Oh, sorry, sorry. He welded My on your version, car. I went over and got him. Said, "Come weld this, or you're going to get this bumper again." <laughs> so he come running over. Uh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I exaggerated that just a little bit, just a touch. How important is it into doing this for a long period of time and having that longevity, the ability to yes have rivals, but also kind of build those fun relationships and make it so you're not pissed off driving into the track every single week. Exactly. For sure. No, it's good to have, you know, great competition. And, uh, that got maybe a little, it did get a little too far out of hand, but no, you know, I, I, the racing, I love competitive racing, you know, and, uh, I do it with a lot of guys every weekend. We have a lot of, you know, great races. Uh, that might have been a little too far between Buck and I back in the day. But, no, we've, we've got a lot of respect for a lot of drivers, and we've had a lot of great races since then. And uh, I wouldn't want to go back to those days at the expense of things nowadays. Yeah. But uh, it was fun back in the day, but nothing I'd, nothing I'd want to get back into. I, you know, I enjoy a good friendship. I enjoy a good race. I enjoy competition, and that's where I'm happy. Did you ever have a rivalry with anybody else? Obviously, maybe not as fever pitch or, or public or whatever that everybody was watching all the time. But do you ever recall having somebody else that you, you know, God, I got to beat this guy? Um, I can't say as I did. No. Uh, Jason Bonnet and I had a, you know, a real good year, one year racing back and forth. Uh, he was going to load his car one night. And if he would have loaded, of course, I had won the championship. I said, no, you're not loading the car. So my bro lock can, can fix that manifold for you or header for you. I think it was a manifold back in the day. And my bro law went and fixed it. He was able to race. He won the championship. I mean, I, I, I could have sent him packing. I would have won the championship, and that would have been the end of it. But 
no, thank you. No, I'd rather have you on the racetrack and we'll do it the right way. And, you know, I offered my brother-in-law to go fix it and, and he was victorious and he deserved it and earned it. And that was, that's how it should go. Damn. That's not bad. Yep. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm always the guy, you know, try to help the other guy. If he's broke, if he needs parts, I'll run around the pits, try to help the guy locate something. You know, yeah. we need everybody in every car. You know, you got to look at the big picture and that's what I do at least. And because yeah. without everybody, we can't have this, you know, sport that we all like to do. Well, fast forward a little bit to 2014. Devil's Bowl, Airborne are working together. With the Renegades, is that also is that your first adventure into racing on dirt? As Justin puts it, the roughest surface in track history. Yes, motocross. Yes, it was. That was yes. What was what was the thinking on when you went onto the dirt there for the first time? I'm like, wow, this is dirt racing. I don't like it. <laughs> Cause it was, it was horrendous. Uh, I mean, the, all four tires would come off the ground. It was, yeah, it was different. Um, it definitely got better, but my first time, no, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't impressed. That year was one of your best years and there's a little bit of controversy around it. No fault of your own. Um, but, uh, devil's bowl and airborne became sort of under one umbrella that year. Um, and they were again the next year. Um, but the renegades and the limited late models, I guess, because they'd been converted into limited late models or the name changed or whatever the process was, the car count was down in both of them, but they combined them because they're pretty much, you know, they're a similar car, a metric chassis and aftermarket things. Everybody bitched, bitched, bitched that you had the fastest car because you're cheating or whatever. It's a tiger car and blah, blah, blah. I remember a lot of nights where Rob Gordon waxed the field with his, you know, renegade. Um, but the racing ended up being really, really good. And you won your fair share of races, including a hundred lapper. That was really statistically your best season. Um, but you took that car and also won on the asphalt at devil's bowl and the dirt at devil's bowl. And yes, that one <laughs> that night was on the little track was just horrific. It was, it was, I've never seen clay move inches at a time like that, for but, sure. yep. but it was a great year for you. It was. Yep. That was a great year. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot, you know, th- taking the Lexan out and putting the screen in and heading over there for something new and adventurous was a, was a great time. And then I think we won on the dirt over there and the asphalt. Yeah. And then we won an airborne on the asphalt. Yeah. Yep. That was a good time. Yeah. They did their best, but they could, uh, no, not a lot of people liked it, but, you're still talking a 602 crate motor. You're still talking the same left side percentage. Uh, just gave him something to, to cry about, I guess. But um, reality, it was Apple, you know, it was they did what they had to do to, to even them up. But uh, you'll, you'll never make everybody happy. Yeah. yeah. If I said race that dirt track with that surface again or race the back roads in mud season, which would you choose? Uh, back roads in mud season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was that. It was it was, it was different. Ugly. It, was ugly. it was ugly. Yeah. yeah. But my God, have they turned it around? Yeah. It's a nice. Uh, they get themselves a nice racetrack over there now, so we enjoy going over there when we can, and uh, it's uh, a big improvement. 
you've been through a few track changes at Airborne in your career. Um, you know, the old surface, which was so weird, but so fun on the asphalt. But one and two were completely different than three and four. Um, and then Mike Parati redesigned the place, he and Steve Fuller, and actually Bucko, uh, in 09. And it became, you know, just a really beautiful racetrack. Um, Incredible. And now it's dirt, which I think was in 17. Um, of the three, what was your favorite or has been your favorite? Uh, leading up to today, you're talking to? Well, uh, yeah, sure. Or, yeah. I like my dirt racing. I, I just, you know, I, I tried it back there in 2015, a little bit part-time at Mohawk. And, uh, but when they put that progressive banking at airborne and that tarmac, that was a lot of fun too. That made the racing come alive. Yeah. But once you get on the dirt, once I got on the dirt, I really enjoy that. I must say. What is it that really kind of sang for you? Cause we've talked to a few people on the show who, Maybe tried it once and said, nope, not for me. It was a game changer, I'll tell you. But I just got a lot more respect for these guys that drive these dirt cars. When you're doing, you know, 95, 100 miles an hour and you're sideways and you're in control and you're inches away from people, I mean, with the car control, it's amazing. You know, asphalt's a totally different deal. You know, you're on a 8-inch or 10-inch tire and you're on tarmac. Well, this stuff here, you're on clay, it's slippery, you're sideways, you're doing 100 miles an hour, and you're inches apart, and you're in total control. So you just get a lot of respect for these guys that do this. And um, It takes a while to get the knack of it, because I was trying to drive it like an asphalt car at first, but uh, it's just, it's a thrill, for sure. So you did run, now of course we're talking about your your current racing, which is uh, Sports and Modifieds, the dirt cars, but you drove those cars on asphalt for a couple of years too. How yes. how incredibly different was it for you to get out of a stock car and into a dirt modified on asphalt? I called that thing a tractor for many nights. I called it a what I call it, honey. I called it a mm, a tractor. We called it a, we called it a tractor. You can swear on the show if you want. Yeah, to. <laughs> I almost did, but yeah, it was totally different. I mean, you sit in the middle like you're driving a lawnmower. I mean, but they're made. Those modifieds are made for dirt, period. I mean, yes, we race some asphalt, but they don't belong in asphalt. They belong in dirt. Much, much better, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, that having been said, you did win some races. Um, you know, you, you got to the point where you were pretty competitive on the asphalt with that modified. Yeah, took a little while, but uh, uh, we were competing to get some good cars again, you know. Troyer, you know, had made a special car for the asphalt back in the day that was very fast. Uh, but yeah, we had a little success on the asphalt with it. Uh, still a good time. Anytime you're racing, and it's still a good time. But like I said, when you put these on dirt, it's a totally different show. To us uninitiated, what is uh, what's Mohawk like? Uh, normally it's a dry, slick racetrack, but, uh, last year without the, uh, borders open, they didn't have the 358 cars there. So it was, uh, wasn't as dry, slick as normal, but usually it's a, you know, a very slippery racetrack, hard to get into the racetrack. Uh, but again, nice facility, um, close by to my hometown, you know, an hour and 10 minute drive. It's a big round of like a half hour. It's it's a big round fast racetrack. Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful facility. Yep. 
did uh did was it intentional for you to race up there all the time or did you just go up on a whim and say hey you know this place isn't so bad that's what happened i went up there on a whim and uh said i enjoy it and you go one week, then you go another week before you know it. It's three quarters of the way through the season, and uh, you're in the hunt for a championship, and uh, you're there for the rest of the year. Well, look at Nick Haywood last year. Yep. Same, <laughs> both of us. Yeah. We yeah. both kind of did my wall. We'll go for a little bit. Well, yeah. Yeah. About, I think, race three or four, we got a win, and I'm like, oh boy. I guess we're coming up here on Friday nights. <laughs> but yeah, it's a nice place. Uh, you know, I know again, uh, a field full of talent up there as well. And uh, just it's close to home. So we enjoy it. Would you say the atmosphere is any different than airborne or devil's bowl or wherever else you've raced? Uh, no, it's about the same. I would say um, they get a nice crowd of people also. And especially, you know, if this border opens back up, you know, to help all these tracks along the border. So, yeah. so is that the plan that for you happens. to run both airborne and Mohawk all year? Uh, I think we're just going to stick it airborne and we'll go to the first couple at Mohawk, see how things go. And we'll we'll, we'll go like that. We'll try that. But (laughs) the plan, not every weekend. I, uh, spend a little more time. I can't, but we'll see one, uh, one race at a time, but definitely air, uh, airborne full time Mohawk. We'll hit the first couple and, uh, we'll see what happens. You'll win the opener and that'll be the end of it. (laughs) Mm, We'll see. (laughs) Um, you, you have hit the road quite a bit more. Um, and we've seen you over on this side of the lake a couple of times down in Tevis bowl. Um, and there was one night in particular, of course, the, the 200, um, in 2020, right. That was, yeah, it was the COVID year. That's right. And there were 89 cars trying to qualify for the Vermont 200 and you, you had your car and Michael Moreska had a brand new car. Uh, and it turned, into, it turned yeah. into a hell of a night. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was a great night. What was it like for you to watch somebody else drive your race car and pass five cars in a corner like he was doing? And, and, I mean, listen, Michael Moreska, for the asphalt fans who are listening to this show, is one of the top big block dirt modified racers in the Northeast right now. And, and he also wins in late models and he wins wherever he goes in anything. You won a legend race at, at Mohawk a couple of years ago. Um, you, what's it like for you to be a car owner? And, and, and I know you're competing in that race, but uh, to step outside and, and watch somebody else drive the 19 around the track. It was enjoyable. I, we had a blast that night, you know, a brand new car that I never put a lap on. Maybe I just put some hot laps on it. I think maybe at Mohawk in the beginning of the season. And uh, yeah, that was exciting. Uh, to watch uh, a guy like Mike Maraska do what he did. Like I said, past five cars in one corner. I think he started 15th in the heat race, ended up fourth, one spot out of a qualifier. Uh, it was amazing. It was a lot of fun. I sat in the infield on some guy's tailgate, watched it, and thought, wow, that's exciting. And uh, he did some things on that racetrack that uh, I'll tell you what shows that he's very talented. And uh, he can, he can put the car to the front for sure. And uh, what a great guy, too. I mean, he made everybody, you know, my crew and his crew, we all, you know, got along really well. It was a very fun experience and hope to do it again someday. Did you learn anything from the experience? Uh, it cost me about 
$3,000 in what they call a short rod setup. <laughs> he says, Jamie, if I'm going to race your car, I'm going to put this setup in it. I said, okay, if it works, I'll buy it from you. Well, I had to buy that setup and one for my other car also. So it was an expensive learning curve, but uh, no, it was a uh, lot Second of fun. place paid about three grand, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> our little agreement we had, we that took care of that deal. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the car owner deal that night was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, my crew and his crew, it was, it was a great evening and he did put on a show for the fans and he just very good car control and uh, he put her to the front in a hurry and uh, fun to watch. Now we mentioned kind of what next season looks like. What are, what are your aspirations as you sit here tonight, getting ready for 2022 season? Where do you see a finish line somewhere? Are you just having a blast and, not thinking about it? Yeah, no, just having a blast. Uh, not thinking about it, you know, just hoping we can continue on for, you know, uh, many more years to come. I'm not sure how many more, but, uh, you know, I got a great bunch of guys um, that help me out every week. We talked about the sponsors earlier. You know, I got new sponsors on board again this year, along with, you know, the same bunch I've had for a lot of years. Uh, so while everything's going good, I plan to do this for as long as I can, and uh, we just enjoy it. It's a good family uh, night out. Um, just very fortunate to, to have all these people involved. Well, we'll make sure to get you an Uncommon Deeds decal because yeah. people are going to the front in them. I'm just saying at the end of the just year last well, year. I'd like to put one to the front for you, so you, you get go. you send me one of those. We'll make that happen. We can do that. <laughs> Uh, you've already been racing this year. Uh, you went down South, um, back in what, January and February, February. Okay. Um, and you guys, you know, we talked, we've talked about your sponsors a little bit. You guys had a great moment, uh, where uh, several of your sponsors got mentioned because the announcers didn't know how to say, Oh my <laughs> guy, guy, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Gaiosis, wine and Gaiosis, spirits. wine and spirits. He yeah. loved it. Yeah. <laughs> jns steel i can say that i can say that yes yeah uh yeah. but you guys had a, a special moment down there um it was at lakeview south carolina right yes yep. um so take us through that that night there was you know because i i totally i don't totally understand what what was going on with that i, I watched right. the video but, but tell us what I happened can, though, i can explain it to you uh kenneth vanderwheel used to own an oil company down in Scroon lake he, back in the day, I think back in the 90s, sponsored a guy by the name of Scott Tripp. Scott sure. Tripp raced at Albany, Saratoga, Devil's Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Ken wanted uh, just a spot on my race car in memory of his son. I said, come up one night, Ken. I'll show you a spot and uh, make sure you're happy with it. And I said, and he goes, he showed me a, a picture of a car that he used to sponsor. He goes, I used to sponsor a guy back in the day. His name was Scott Tripp. I said, well. Scott Tripp, uh, Ken is the guy that owns Lakeview Speedway, where we're going to go. Goes, well, I haven't spoke to him in 30 years. So Ken ended up reaching out to him. That was on a Tuesday night. I think Ken reached out to him on a Wednesday. They talked briefly. I called Scott on a Thursday to talk about a few things about me going down. And I said, hey, listen, I hear you know a guy that I know, Kenneth Vanderwill. I said, yeah goes wow he says that brings back memories he said he sponsored me and so on so forth so forth great guy blah 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 he says 
we're going to do something for Kim when you come down here. I said, we are. He goes, yeah. He goes, uh, we're going to have a race in his son's honor that night and we'll surprise him. Wow. I knew Ken uh, for the last two or three years. He'd come over for our pits after the races. I knew all of them, you know, but he, he kind of been, you know, hinting around. He wanted to get involved, helping me out and things. So uh, this year we got together and he's now a sponsor and a crew member. So we get down there and I tell him that uh, Dirt Car wants me to go up on stage for some pictures to promote uh, some race. I told a little white lie and got him up on stage. And it was a dedication uh, of a son that passed away back in, I think, 2005. And it was just kind of ironic that he now helps me. I used to help Scott Tripp back in the 90s that now owns Lakeview Speedway. So it's kind of a thank you from both of us for helping us out in our racing careers. And it meant the world to that guy. Racing is a small, small world, isn't it? Oh, incredible. And huh. he had no idea. We knew about it for about three or four weeks before we were heading down. So I was able to get in contact with uh, some out-of-town family of, of Ken's. And, of course, let all his family and friends know around here what was going on. But I told him to keep that under, keep it a top secret until we get down there. And uh, he just couldn't believe it. He was so thankful and so appreciative of what we did for him. And uh, but hey, it's guys like that that help. Uh, make this sport what it is so we were happy for them one thing that we've kind of gotten into on this show in the last i don't know whatever uh is we kind of ask guys for some stories from the road if you've got any crazy travel trips or anything like that stories you want to share i mean quenville had a truck on fire that they put out with an 18 pack of beer uh kenny tremont had what they would they use a jacket or something to put out a carburetor fire and wheels falling <laughs> off things i mean is, uh, we, we have just we have just changed our our share of uh tires coming home from mohawk at night these loud banging noises and uh pull over find the jack find the tires but we've had our share of blown tires on the way home from racetracks so we haven't had any fires thank god uh one little story is um the wife unfortunately sometimes has to drive the truck and trailer home because dean and i we're not good travelers we go to devil's bowl dean and i are in the truck sleeping and the wife's driving the truck oh my god so thank god for that she's a good uh, good driver she can stay up dean and i we're good for about a half hour and that's it ah oh, it's terrible well, that's that's a good story i guess the wife drives the truck because we can't stay awake <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get into our our quick hitters here in a minute but uh you know have you had that out of body experience where you kind of step back and look at your career and realize, you know, like you said, you're, you're going on 26 years here behind the wheel, which is a long time. You've done a lot of racing and a lot of winning. Um, you know, have you ever kind of stopped to smell the roses or are you just go to the next race? Just go to the next race. I'm just thankful. You know, I'm healthy. Uh, I have the sport that I have. I'm able to do it, you know, you look around this world, you know, so much going on. And so many people are as fortunate as we are that we're able to go do such a thing. And uh, just very thankful that I'm able to do it, you know, and be surrounded by these people that we do it with and people that we race against and the people that we meet while we're doing this. Just very fortunate, you know, and just can't say that enough because you see these people come into the, our place of business every day. There's always someone, you know, sick, fighting an illness and, life is so short i just want to keep enjoying you know doing what i'm doing and hopefully we can do it for many more years what do you what do you guys do up there i i, I did mention the store but you know but yeah it's, we're it's a family a hardware part of your life yeah a family hardware store been at it for 
33 years now. Uh, we do a little bit of everything from uh, hardware to heating supplies to grain to uh, excavating uh, supplies, culverts and sewer pipe and drainage tile. Uh, we get into the wood pellet business, the feed business, the propane business. So very diversified uh, hardware store in the town of Moores. You know, we're not heavily populated, so we got to be have a you know, we're in the snowmobile parks and accessories, ATP parks and accessories. So a little bit of everything, but very well diversified. And uh, again, there again, we've been very fortunate to have a good family business for 33 plus years. You enjoy doing it? You enjoy going to work every love day? It. Just like racing, it's it's competition. And uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, I got great, uh, great employees. Um, again, it's just, you meet so many nice people and, uh, when it's something you like to do, it's not a job. And uh, 33 years later, we're still doing it. So, Is it easier to run a race team or a store? They both have their days, for sure. Um, they both have their days. We'll leave it at that. Wish you could see his face right now. <laughs> <laughs> there were some uh, stories that popped in there, yeah. right there. But... <laughs> yes. All right. Time for our Barry Tile quick hitters. First up, do you have a name for your current car or maybe some of your previous cars? Uh, the previous car I did, we used to call her Mrs. August. We had some success back in 2019 with yeah. the three wins in August. So her name is Mrs. August. That's cool. I like that. That's a good question. Yep. Um, my question is always, what's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a race car? Hmm. Dropped a Gatorade bottle one night down on my foot pedals, and I reached down to grab it, and I hit that big freaking uke tire, and it wasn't a good show. Oh, what? <laughs> that's that's two stupid things. Yeah. <laughs> 25 years, give me a break. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you had it. Uh, it was uh, under the pedals? It was somewhere down the floor, and I went fishing for it, and I uh, looked up, and somebody put that freaking tire right in my way. Bang. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. How do I explain this one? Yeah. So we went in for repairs, but we couldn't make them fast enough. <laughs> Not that funny. <laughs> oh, I, it wasn't me, so it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lovely. <laughs> Memories. Yeah. <laughs> uh finally, what's the best race you ever saw in person that you weren't driving in? I've seen a lot of them. Timmy Fuller's put on some good shows at Mohawk from the back of the back to the front. I'd have to say maybe watching Timmy Fuller come from the back to the front at Mohawk for some exciting races. Boy, that's pretty good. Yeah. I was thinking that maybe you would mention Mark Lamberton at Thunder Road with Joey Becker. That was another good one. Yeah. Of course, he didn't win, though, so that's probably No, he didn't. Yeah, that's, that's, He's still trying to forget that one. Yeah, that, I understand that one. Yes. How about the fall foliage win, then? Yeah, we'll go with <laughs> that go. one. Okay. <laughs> Are there any yeah. other racetracks or races on your bucket list? Yeah, I think uh, I'd like to make the Florida one year to uh, the sportsman, some sportsman races down there, maybe in February next year, uh, where they were this year. Go a little further south next year. 
So that's that's the early plan as we speak now. I guess we can wrap up with some questions about Airborne. What is going on up there? And and you know, I, I love the place. It was my Saturday night home for years and years as a kid, and I raced there weekly. And um, it seems like nobody knows what's going on until opening day. Um, is there a plan? <laughs> are they are they in good shape? Uh, you know, I, I know you're going to be there to support it, um, but but what does that program look like for 2022? What year are we? 22. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat everybody else is. We see what they have on the internet for a schedule and uh, the time frames, and that's about it. Kind of everything's kind of really quiet, and you know, no con, you know, really no contacts with anybody. Nobody contacting us, uh, you know, to get the ball rolling, but. I don't know. I just hope, you know, sooner than later, somebody gets, you know, the right people on there or somebody takes over, buys it, whatever, and it goes in the right direction. It's it's a great facility. It's an amazing facility. I mean, the, the bleachers, the track, uh, just spent a struggle, you know, for the last few years. And it has, you know, it did start to come back last year, just, just don't hear a lot about it, unfortunately. That's the only downfall about it, you know? So we'll see what happens. I wish them the best of luck. I just, they got their work ahead of them. Is there ever a chance that you think you might want to get into promotion? Uh, one never knows. Um, oh my god! <laughs> look at you. I feel like one that was. Knows. I feel like that was a fearful look to your right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been thought about. Put it that way. Yeah, it's been thought about. Yes. Hmm. Yep. No, when I can no longer turn the wheel left, and it's time. I'd like to stay involved, and one never knows. Interesting. Keep us posted on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man Beth just filed divorce paperwork right here on the show I saw it <laughs> why is she shaking her head yes over there yeah <laughs> oh dear all right <laughs> yeah listen I know that the guys are out in the shop as we do this working on the race car so we'll let you go um oh but, they just uh, walked in they're bothering me now they're standing here watching all right. me all right all right <laughs> I hope they got everything done yeah <laughs> Tune uh, in next thanks. week to find out if they got everything done. Yeah, right. Ian and Bill, these guys learned if they got everything done. They left the easy stuff for you. They left the easy stuff for me. Perfect. Uh, all right, man. Have a good season, and uh, thanks for thanks for stopping by with us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys, and best of luck to you guys with what you do, and we appreciate what you guys do. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks again to Jamie for giving us so much of his time. We appreciate it. Like I said, a uh, a fun episode. Not not our longest episode, but I thought we packed a good punch in that hour. Mm-hmm. And we got to chat with the crew at the end of the interview. That was fun. I think that they might have been after we stopped recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it was nice to see Dean and those guys. And yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Definitely nice to have another airborne driver on. And um, we do have some contacts for some of the real original pioneers at airborne. Um, I'm going to try and chase them down. It might be a little bit tricky, um, you know, being a thousand miles away, but uh, eventually we'd like to get some of the, uh, the really, you know, great legends from back in the sixties, seventies, eighties 
uh, at Airborne and, and hopefully get them on the show before maybe the next five, six months or so. Something to look forward to. Yeah. Make sure you are following us on all the socials, Uncommon Deeds on Twitter and Facebook, Uncommon Deeds Podcast on the Instagram. Instagram. You can also drop us an email at uncommonmediavt at gmail.com. Gmail. That's about all we got for you this week. Make sure if you want a shirt or hat, Reach out to us on any of those aforementioned socials or emails and let us know size, what you want. We got shirts for $25, includes shipping, and we have medium, large, extra large, 2X, and 3X available, as well as we have the black flex fit hats and the gray and black snapback hats for $35 a piece, or you can get a combo of the two for $50. Yeah. You're a golf guy, right? I I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> I would say a, definitely a golf guy. Masters coming up, right? Yeah. Are you aware of Chris Vernon? Yes, I am. Oh, yeah. His, oh, yeah. His, his day. I'm so his, excited. His day, his recaps are awesome. Amazing. I actually listen to him quite a bit. He's a big basketball guy. Yeah. I listen to one of his basketball podcasts. Yep, I do too, actually. Now and then. I don't really know what's going on, but I do listen to it. Yep. Uh, I, I'm excited no, the, that you are aware, are aware of Oh, this. I am. Oh, yeah. He's an anomaly, too. He sounds like 80 years old and. <laughs> looks like 20 25 <laughs> somewhere in the middle where the hell is charlie hoffman uh say man at the corner i'm so excited and you can't just can't hide it no i know i know i know i know and steve miller's about to lose control and i think i like it oh in the Suntan Sam's Pontiac Double Zero. Uh, we'll get that guy on the show at some point, too. Yeah. And he actually was on the video I'm watching. So yeah. it really tight. And I made that song work. So you know what? Right. Props to me. Yeah. I finished out the shtick. It made sense. I'm Take ready for bed. Take us home. You've been listening to the Uncommon Deeds podcast. This has been a production of Uncommon Media. I'm just so glad you didn't do the voice this week. You know you like it. Yeah.